to the Cars Unfiltered podcast. It is, uh, well, whenever this comes out, it should be Monday, which I'm not sure what that date is. December uh, Is that, is Christmas? This is our special Christmas. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good thing we plan Christmas content. Yes, Christmas oh, Eve. Oh, actually, we could special episode. a quick one. If Santa Claus were to drive a car, what car would it be? Oh, Ooh. way to start off the show. I just say Mercedes he, because of all the ads. Come on. He's been driving Mercedes for the last, like, ten years. No, because it's not. A, how are you going to put enough toys in the trunk to throw out of the Mercedes to all the kids? Uh, all reindeer I'm, all, are all and, SUVs. And they weigh, like, a shit ton. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen a Mercedes commercial? All the reindeer are SUVs. No, no, I, I missed that one. I haven't seen that. You haven't? Seen I mean, that's... No, I'm going to look it up right now. That's marketing stuff, right? All I can tell you is I know for a fact that Santa Claus drives a tractor, a green tractor. A deer? A, a green tractor? Yes. A deer. Yep. A noth- think, nothing think, runs like a deer. I think some of your international friends might uh, have some, or some of your Case New Holland. I think they're the same company now, aren't they? International. Yeah. 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 Uh, and actually, I should make I a disclosure that by somebody else now. Yeah, someone. I know that they got bought out because some of my farmer friends were real upset about that. Yeah, but, I should disclose that I come from a international harvester family. Uh, mm. So do you know that song by heart? International harvester. So, <laughs> I, probably, I probably did at one point. Now that we've derailed all the topics we we're talking about. Um, Wait, no, I still haven't given my answer as to what kind of car I think Santa would drive. Oh, gosh. All right. It's got to be, you got to think about the, the logistics here, right? It's got to be light enough. I think he would drive a, uh, a tea bucket, a, a Roadster pickup. He'd drive like a, he'd drive like a 26 Roadster like, pickup. Like a Ute? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yep. I, I have seen Santa Claus in that. Yeah, I have seen those uh, like Santa Claus with a in a tea bucket truck before. Cargo space. You got to think about a cargo space. Tea bucket truck. There's like an extra seat next to him that he doesn't need that he can use for coffee and donuts. I feel like a tea bucket truck is a name for something that is uh, like it's a nickname that. Don't uh, look up tea bucket truck. Look up a, a 26 roadster. See, so it's not even. Yeah, it's one of those. It's a 26. Uh, uh, I don't want to alienate any but it's one of those redneck terms. Like, oh, it's a tea bucket truck. Look up a 26 roadster pickup. Oh, is this one of those like really obnoxiously long, like Cruella Deville looking no, cars? No, they're cool. No, twenty six Roadster picks up something else. No, twenty six Roadster uh, pickup. Yeah, I could yeah. see, I could see Santa Claus driving go. one of these. There you go. See, we got the approval. I could see him, but he also has to know how to do carburation and all that. He's well, kind of I mean, he's, he's got to he can upgrade elf. the engine. He's got to have one elf that knows how to <laughs> take it with carburetors. With the one kid that's been bringing Mike carburetor since he was 14 years old, <laughs> the one elf has to know how to fix it. But uh, so, in any case, we can get started with the content. So, all three of us are in uh, Tom's here, Mike's here, and uh, I am here as I'm the one speaking. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> to the Christmas special, um, going along the lines of utilitarian vehicles or uses for vehicles and, and keeping in mind, uh, Lincoln advertised that's a really bad segue lincoln advertised yeah that was not uh, your best they're making 80 for now limited edition um suicide doors although they don't call them that anymore suicide door lincoln continentals 
Yeah, what do you think about that? So interestingly, originally, it's be I'm eight like, inches or nine inches I longer. Thought, than, I thought than it yours. was sweet, right? Just from a purely car classic restore thing. But the interesting thing to me was um, an ex NFL punter that now has a podcast, uh, Pat McAfee. Shout out Pat McAfee um, on his podcast or on his Twitter sent out a note saying immediately, uh, "Lincoln, I'm going to need one of those." Who do who needs a happy ending for me to get one of those? Uh, <laughs> what do you think of that? In general, in my mind, that was the first time it struck a chord with me. Like, holy crap, maybe people actually think this is cool. Well, right? see, this is an argument that Tom and I have had for a long, long time regarding Lincoln. And mm-hmm. uh, it goes along the lines of Lincoln needs a car that's over a hundred grand. Yeah. And this finally gives Lincoln a car that's over a hundred grand. Right. And I think Lincoln's very quickly going to find out that 80 is not enough. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't think uh, because the way it's going to be built, right, it's going to be built and then sent out to a coach builder to to really build it. Right. And then get sold, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Not to mention they're killing the sedan. Right. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's it, it can't be enough to keep the sedan around. Right. Right. Like right. this is this is a last ditch effort by Lincoln to make some money before well, I don't know. It, are is the plan to keep around the luxury sedans though? I don't know. I, don't I didn't know about think that. I thought they were killing everything. Well, Cadillac's killing the sedans. I don't know if Lincoln's killing but the sedans. But interestingly, to that point you just led into what I was thinking. Interestingly, Cadillac is killing all the sedans except for their special CTS V sport. Or sorry, CTS V, really a V Sport trim CTS. Yeah, right. Um, never that last time. So, so interestingly, uh, sedans are only staying in their in special edition form, right? Um, both companies are keeping their flagship sedans in special edition form. At which point, I guess, I mean, it could be a good move. Um, personally, though, I don't like it. I think it's sweet. I Tom, mean, what do you think? I I love. I, I want to give my reasons. Oh, <laughs> I got. I want to give right, my reasons. Right. So, so I like it in theory, mm-hmm. right? Because I love the the um, coach door Lincolns, mm-hmm. right? But in practice, it doesn't work. The only way that that actually works. So it, most people don't don't know the difference between a coupe, a sedan, and a hardtop, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the gist of it is a hard top doesn't have a B pillar, mm-hmm. right? So convertible. No, just a hard top. Hard top has a B pillar. Hard top doesn't have a B pillar. Definitely has a B pillar. No, a coupe has a B pillar and a sedan has a B pillar, but a hard top doesn't have a B oh, pillar Okay. So. by like whatever old classifications of cars, right? A hard top didn't have a B pillar for like a two seater or four. Didn't matter. That's why there's a lot of cars that are like a two door post, right? Which has a B pillar. Oh, okay. Sorry, I know what you're talking about. And then about there's now. A, yeah, 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 where yeah. there's you yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, 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 I know what you're saying. And so, uh, so think about yeah, the Lincoln Continental, uh, mm-hmm. an old one mm-hmm. that was a convertible, but yeah, not yeah, a convertible, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's open window mm-hmm. to window. You don't see it on new cars anymore because it would be massively expensive to make one that adhered yeah. to any kind of crash standards, right? right? But Coach doors only work when you don't have a B pillar sitting up above the belt line of the car. So that was interesting to me because when I first saw it, I saw the B pillar there and I'm like, huh, that looks weird, right? And then they showed one that had a B pillar. I'm like, I didn't think I remembered the old Continentals having They have one, but it's very slim. 
mm-hmm. for one, because again, crash mm-hmm. structures didn't exist. Mm-hmm. But then two, the convertibles didn't have one, yeah. right? Which is why there's no convertible for their current uh, yeah. Continental because they can't figure out how to make it work. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. I had a whole chapter and a whole problem on my last final on crash worthiness and oh, the thing would maxim- weigh like 5,000 pounds by the time they got that thing to work. Yeah. I had to determine at what acceleration the occupant would get hit by the door and how Oof. fast the occupant's head would do it was too, fun. too much math. But in any case, Tom, what, what, what says you? <laughs> um, well, just looking at the, like looking at some of the pictures, now that you brought up the, uh, the convertible thing, I forgot how much I like the old continental convertibles. I know, right? <laughs> and at first, at first I was like, oh yeah, the suicide door thing is cool or coach door thing is cool on the continental. But now the fact that there's not a convertible one kind of hurts me a little bit. Yeah. But at the same time, cause that would be sick. Yeah. And that's the argument that Mike said. And I've just had two different sets of people, the same argument. Um, about Cadillac and, and Lincoln, the convertibles right? but, really are very but good. But you They're used good. to, in my mind, right? When you had a Lincoln, it used to mean something. You drove up in that Cadillac right. convertible with the coach doors, and you had made it, right? Now yep. you can get one on a seventy-two month lease for two hundred bucks a month, and it's no longer a Lincoln, right? That any Joe schmo with, you know, that saved up a little bit of money or eventually will default and give it back can get a Lincoln, right? Tom, I think I'm going to buy one of these again. <laughs> Okay, Joe. I'd like to remind um, you, you have a 65 Mustang you still need to build. I know. Fuck the Mustang. <laughs> so, so actually, too, now that I'm looking at this, like, the chassis on the new one, right? Oh, I'm Like, yeah, that main support. <laughs> what? I said, I'm stuck on 62 convertibles. No, go on with that. Oh, yeah. That's a better place. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, the new one, the way, so the whole thing with, like, how, sorry, I'm just, like, going into this from, like, a innocent bystander kind of perspective, right? So, and I'm comparing this to what I believe it should be compared to, since this is like a specialty coach continental is like a Maybach. Okay. Right. So yeah, that's a, this, I was going to make a similar comparison. Yeah. But like this, when they open up both the doors for this, like nice stylized press shot, like the inside, like where that main like support pillar is, like you guys are talking about, it's, bad. it's just, it's dumb. Like, and now it's real ugly. It's just right. It's like right <laughs> yeah. there in your face. No, just no high. You know what it looks? I've seen. Have you ever seen a four door car with all four doors removed? Yeah, that's that's, that's what it looks like. like. That's what I thought too. Yeah, because I mean that's what it is, right? And that's that's uh, kind of by design what it has to be. The, yeah. Because like, think about a rollover crash test now, right? Like. There's no fucking way you survive now with a traditional hardtop car. Yeah, but you almost think, like, and just put, like, a, a fake wood finish on it or something to make it not look like a neat chunk of metal. Wait, I, I wonder, so convertibles have to have different rules for the small overlap. So it has to have something to do with so, convertibles. No, here's, here's the thing. The thing that span the strut tower to get the stiffness. They have that bar that goes from the front strut tower to the second strut tower to give you stiffness. No, so so they sent this car out to a coach builder, right? Yeah, okay. To do this, I'll let you derail it, Tom. Okay, yep. Well, so no, they right they sent this car out to a coach builder, right? They there's also there's provisions to do limited number run vehicles and have them not be up to all the codes. Like they should have gone instead of doing this like weird hacky thing. No, they they should have gone. No, you can't because Ford still uh, legally 
liable to produce cars that are up to the standards because at the end of the day, it's not leaving the factory from these coach builders with the coach builder's name on it. It's Ford's name and Ford is or Lincoln's name. And either one is well over the threshold of like 50 cars a year for yeah. uh, non-conforming it's, to federal regs. Think about it the same way as um, the Ford GTs, Tom. Ford doesn't build the Ford GTs that Canadian company does, right? At least the body and chassis. And so, but Ford is still on the hook for that vehicle, right? So that's why all the Ford GTs that are sold have to be road legal. But well, then they should have gone and like not done it. But no, so so where I was gonna go, oh, man. <laughs> I, so I just pulled up a, I just pulled up a '62 cat metal from the front, and oh, it's good. Um, but so where I was gonna go with that is, there's got to be different rules for convertibles regarding like a rollover crash test situation, because think about it, there's no fucking roof on a convertible, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it had to do with something about the passenger compartment being too long on a Lincoln to make it so where it was like properly supported by the windshield or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I, imagine I don't know. The Mercedes have has like a more robust a pillar or something. I, I promise I would never do this, but I can dig. There's a section in my notes about roof crush and roof crush tests. But what's, but I'm curious also, the differences in legality or what so, you can get away speaking with. Speaking of legalities, actually I would, here's a, a trivia question for you too. Do you guys know what a, like a five star rating actually means? I was waiting for a segue there. Uh, um, we'll get to a segue. We'll get to a segue. I just want to drill you guys since you guys will. There's a question on our group chat about tunnel rams that I have no idea. So I want to grill, <laughs> grill you guys about something for a change. What do you, I'll give both of you guys a shot to guess. What does like five star actually mean? 80% pass. Tom? Um, it means that they have a graduated chef on staff. Oh, no. oh I thought Tom did, but then he said graduated chef. So it's actually it's a separate entity that rates it, oh. right? It's the NCAP. Um, and actually, so the stars actually have to do with the chance of a severe injury. So, for example, a five-star vehicle in a frontal crash of 35 miles an hour can only get five stars if the occupant has a less than 10% chance of a serious injury as measured by the acceleration of the occupant during oh, the crash. So it's like 90% pass. So it's an A minus. So a five star rating is an A minus. So all it means is that if you get into a, a 35, which is not that fast of a crash, yeah, that's true. you have a less than 10% chance. If you have a four star car, you have an 11 to 20% chance of getting, getting seriously messed up. That's, that's kind of fucked up. For 35 miles an hour. So, in any case, it's been, but, very interesting to me. But the Ford GT is not crash rated. What? Sure it is. So, speaking of mm. things, <laughs> you know what else isn't crash test rated? All the vehicles going into that tunnel in LA that Elon Musk just built. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, most of those vehicles are probably crash tested. Actually, actually, that's actually it's a good segue in because um, so if you guys didn't read the news, so Elon did his first trial run in L.A. with the press and all that of his tunnel system. Um, and one of the big, uh, I guess, letdowns from people, even though it was a prototype, was that instead of using purpose built uh, people movers, right, people vehicles or I guess all vehicles are people vehicles at this point. But um, they use just Teslas and special rails on them, right? Because the other vehicles weren't ready. So they just put Model 3s and stuff like that 
and they it was put actually them, a, it wasn't it just a Model X. They had a Model X, and I think they had I thought they had a Model Three, but in any case, oh, maybe. they attached uh, extra little wheels to guide it down uh, the tunnel. Which, uh, admittedly, it was a whole like apparatus that bolted to the wheel area of the car. It was just trans wheels, it, basically. <laughs> but it, yeah, the point is right that fucking Elon's getting lambasted by everyone everywhere saying, "Congratulations, you just created the subway." Oh, really? That's what a less efficient subway. Fucking everyone's tearing his ass up, dude. Oh like, yeah, of course. And it and the dude doesn't know when to admit when he's beaten. It is a less efficient subway. There's no way that 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 a private like a private car system underground is ever more efficient than a bus underground, aka a subway. So, so I would like to stop and give our resident uh, electric Elon fanboy a chance to defend his man. <laughs> oh, I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not exactly. Any- in Elon Musk camp per se, especially with how the financials have been working with Tesla. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, I guess I would say the boring company is, uh, I mean, they're not just trying to go and make some kind of transportation thing. Like literally their, their product, um, especially like go to boringcompany.com slash products. Um, it's, it's literally they have different types of tunnels that they provide, right? So like a water tunnel, conduit tunnel and loop transportation system, right? So um, in the loop transportation system, I would presume, you know, like they show it here with that, you know, transporting cars and stuff. But I mean, I guess you could use that to transport whatever you want, right? So maybe at some point there, I mean, that could morph into whatever, you know what I mean? Like that's like just like one potential use for that thing. Oh, I disagree that there's more uses or maybe not more uses, but I don't, I don't disagree that there's more revenue streams for a boring company, but Mm -hmm. to, to flaunt your latest and greatest project as like the best thing to happen to public transportation since I don't know, the fucking bus stop is dumb. Like it's a failure. Admit your fucking failure and walk away from the goddamn it's, it's thing. It's a prototype, Mike. It's, it's prototype. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They didn't they didn't lay the concrete well enough, so it's bumpy. It has a bumpy ride. Um, no, it was interesting because there's a, a one of the podcasts I listened to um, was a Joe Rogan podcast, and he had Neil deGrasse Tyson on it. They're talking about this, and they're saying that basically the idea is not revolutionary, right? It's just it, he's now taking two dimensional transportation which is our current grid and road system and making it three-dimensional the only problem is that already exists they have planes and helicopters <laughs> well which are but infinitely issue, more uh, useful is, yeah the issue is that they don't have enough people that know how to fly right it's not it's not a, a system that's easy enough to master to have everyone be able to fly so this is the other option now i agree with you it's, it's another subway right in, in my mind the only way this would be useful was to do that one original intent that he had that he was like L.A. to New York, just blaring through a tunnel, which I don't know how your face wouldn't like melt or how you wouldn't get like. No, because you're complete. contained. You're contained within like a separate self. <laughs> I would unit. die. How, how do you not for, understand that? You're for, an engineer. No, no. Yeah. But like I would die for like 300 miles in an enclosed like a hand, like one of those bank tubes. Oh. essentially, across the country. No, no, no. <laughs> 
No, man. What they're going to do is like the walls of that thing are going to turn into screens and then there's going to be advertisements nonstop based oh, on, you know, black Tom. until they figure out how to put that on your eyelid <laughs> on the inside of your eyelid. Yeah. Exactly. They'd give out like Xanax pills like at the at the entrance. Be like, all right, here you go. But uh, yeah, it's not <laughs> that much different than a plane, would it? No, not at all. You wouldn't notice anything. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, like that's where I could see where you, if you're looking at like a high speed rail, right? Rather than having building a high speed rail above ground, um, yeah. doing it underground. All I want to say is, in this instance, Elon Musk's a dumbass. Well, I mean, there's a lot more instances than okay, this if I you want to go into that. I, I get <laughs> the benefit of the doubt on some other things because, let's be honest, he's done some other things. But in this particular one, he's a fucking dumbass. I just like he's I a just, get off his horse. I just love the stock photos of a like a Tesla Model X going 20 miles an hour. In this <laughs> it was the most like anticlimactic thing like ever, right? I was just like oh, just with a driver who drove in the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. <laughs> right, the slowest he's ever gone in his life right. on, a, on a track that doesn't allow him to go off the track. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but ironically, it still only turns left. That bumpy concrete. You know what doesn't allow you only to turn one direction? What's that? Jim Kana. Oh yeah, Jim Kana ten came mm. out. Mm. I know. I know. Tom's a fan. I watched a good three. Yep. Probably. Oh no, I watched one. the whole thing. <laughs> I watched the uh, the series, like the making of it on Amazon Prime Video, and that was kind of interesting um, just to see. I mean, we all know that there's, goes, there's a lot of process and stuff that goes into making those videos, but it was definitely interesting to kind of get a behind the scenes. Get, and actually more to the point, like just getting to know, you know, Ken Block a little bit more, I think was kind of the where the power of the show came into uh into its own not interesting the interesting thing is that he drove under one of those fucking grain spreaders and i've always wanted to drive under one of those i disagree i think that would have been way more interesting than driving under a grain spreader i don't think so fast and furious the original one they drove under a semi hey you know what have you ever driven under a semi i have not but it's probably harder to do than a grain whatever you called it a grain spreader yes it's probably harder to do than that Actually, I don't exactly know what a grain spreader is, but it was definitely a uh, big, a road sprayer. One of those, one of those big, big green. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were a deer man, Tom. Um, no, Tom, Tom's uh, correcting me and saying I'm a dumbass. I will say. Uh, I know. I thought he was saying spreader, and maybe he actually was saying no, I sprayer, said spreader. But, but I, you've corrected yeah, me, and uh, you're correct. Yeah. <laughs> Out of all that, the truck was cool to see. I think if you would have just done the truck part in Texas, that would have been enough. I didn't need to see the Hoonicorn doing a 360 year on a dude on a Segway in Detroit. Like that didn't. No, but it was, it was fun to see him go by American Coney Island right there. Like, that was a but nice was, shot. Was, I, mean, the, I mean, who doesn't want to do that now, especially in the wintertime, like come flying down Lafayette, <laughs> turn the car backwards, slide, and then take back up. Yeah, I, I think everyone has done that on that corner, probably specifically. <laughs> First, if you would have like just, done it in one fell suit would have been more interesting but he just like i mean yeah i guess what do you mean i don't know i just don't do you know how hard it is to go from that speed one direction to that speed the other direction uh you, you hit the handbrake you turn it you stop and you no he didn't there. turn in that one he just he was going forward and then he went in reverse no he didn't he, yeah no he turned the no. car around yes he no turned the car around. he did not he definitely turned he the car did around. not turn the car around but in any case i hold my statement I said the last episode where I've lost interest in Jim Connor since like Jim Connor four. 
I mean, I don't disagree truck, with you. The truck was kind of fun to see just because in my head I'm like, that looks like it'd be it, – is the truck for for wheel drive? Uh, they're all wheel drive. Yep. They're all wheel drive. Okay. Because the truck would have been more fun if it wasn't because that back end had no weight on it. Oh, yeah, whatsoever. for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't really – none of them have difficulty spinning all four tires at any given moment in time. That so one, You could almost even see, in my opinion, you could see that the truck was the least – stable out of all those like the truck was the back end on the truck was going out all the time but uh but yeah i mean i don't know were you impressed as a, as a resident gymkhana fan um how would you rank it in the the gymkhanas of past um i mean they so i think that they're running out of stuff to do yeah. so i think to like Ken Block is getting older. So like you have these other people like in the Hot Wheels, um, if anybody ever watches any of the Hot Wheels videos with the full size cars and stuff like they're they're the ones that are kind of progressing. They're not doing like real racing skills or anything, but from an entertainment level, like, you know, they're starting to push it more from like an actual driving kind of perspective. Like the fact that Ken Block got in each one of these different vehicles that handle and have extremely different like power characteristics and was able to do that. You know, that's yeah, a real but, amazing part. And I think nuanced people with the racing are the ones that appreciate but that. But are they that different though? Like they're different. Yes. Yes. But are they? I would say if you're driving like a 1990s Cosworth <laughs> Escort <laughs> with like 300 horsepower what, and then you're driving a 1600 horsepower. Wait, but what, but what you're driving is a complete tube chassis with some sheet metal over it. And it's set up exactly to the driver's specifications. Each one of these is set up exactly to the driver's specifications, probably using similar hardware. And I would venture to, you, to say, like, uh, an almost identical setup. Did you did you watch the documentary part no. of it? No. Then uh, <laughs> you you might discover that if you did, you might discover that you're a little bit wrong, and that actually the majority of the stuff that he shot that they shot with the Huna truck. Um, he, he actually, um, he smashed a lot of aluminum on that, on that truck and the making of it. And like his, his complaint was that he's like, I've only had the truck for two days, you know, in order to like try and get used to it. And he's, he talks about how much wider and longer it is than, than the cars. Um, and then too, like, you know, the same thing they talked about with the Mustang as well. Like, it's not like a WRC car. It's like, you know, it's, it's, he's created something like, yes, there's the same in that they have a handbrake sequential shifting and all wheel drive, but the rest of it is quite a bit different. Yeah. Well, then it might be worth watching this little documentary. Yeah. The documentary I think is better than actual like Jim Connor 10, like, but Jim Connor 10 is a nice like capstone to the whole series. Wait, I also want to confirm he did not spin or, or drift around that corner. He <laughs> turned the car around 180 degrees and went from reverse to forward. Yep. How do you... He never put the car in reverse, but he spun around. He had he came in with so much momentum, hit the handbrake, turned the like basically ascend backwards, and then you know once the traction caught up, he went forwards again. Yeah, what's the big deal? Have you ever done that? I have, and it's hard as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not impressed. You, you, we should. We'll talk when he uh, flicks people off going reverse on the highway like Paul oh, Walker did and yeah. yelled, how about them apples? Right. <laughs> That's true. Ken Block should have gave Vin Diesel a high five at the end of that turn. That's what he should have done. Right when the momentum changed. High five. No, he, 
or Vin Diesel hands him a hot dog. That's what it should have been. But uh, in any case, so it is Christmas week, right? This is the Christmas episode. All right. So what are we talking about for Christmas? So what we're talking about is as the season of giving, right? I assume that some of you guys have bought, purchased, procured something, um, tools in your, in your shed or garage that are indispensable. So if you were to give a tool to someone, right, what is your most indispensable tool in your garage to give to someone this Christmas? For, for what? Just no, just answer what's if you had to give. What's someone, the context though? Is are we talking about like gifting somebody that already has tools, or are we talking gifting somebody who no, has no there's tools? No, there's no limitations, we can take this anyway. What does that person work on? Like, are they a woodworker cars. or are they okay? They're a cars. car worker, we're not, all right. We're not a woodworking show. Hey, I'm just making sure <laughs> this isn't cedar unfiltered, or I couldn't think of a better oak unfiltered, cherry wood unfiltered. <laughs> Hard, hardwoods unfiltered right so for not those, a point i swear guys right yeah for those unfamiliar with the podcast um or who have picked up uh i am pretty useless when it comes to fixing anything i've been trying to change the cabin air filter on my truck for like three months yet wait wait have, have we talked about the fact that sal's garage doesn't have a pedestrian door that's true that's very interesting top but it doesn't have a pedestrian door right so you have to open the whole do- garage door to yeah get which means that if the power goes That's out weird. and his car's stuck inside, he can't get his car outside because he can't go inside to pull the little safety thing that lets him open the garage door without the electric. <laughs> thing I park on the street all the time. But in that uh, useless garage door, if you were to... So Sal needs a Sawzall. That's what Sal needs for Christmas. <laughs> You'd give me a Sawzall. A Sawzall would be a good start. But, but that's what I'm saying, right? So like, the context changes everything about who you're gifting this gift to. Well, then... No, okay, let me put it this a different way. What is the one tool in your garage, Mike, that you could not live without? If you were on a desert island and all that was on the island was a garage, what was the what is the one tool that you would wish was in there? Oh, fuck. I think a heavy screwdriver. That's hard. <laughs> you what would you use? Uh, you can bang on things with the back end of it. You can screw things in. You can cut things with it, especially if it's a flathead. No, no, not a screwdriver. What? <laughs> you can, definitely, you could. I would definitely pick a either that or a hammer. Next next week on Hand Tools Unfiltered, Sal shows us how to cut a two by four with a flathead screwdriver. <laughs> oh, <can> be done. <laughs> I'm not saying it's going to be a I'm, short endeavor. I'm thinking about it right now, and yeah, you can make it work, but oh, man, it would not be. You can make it, would, it, work. It, would, it would not be pretty. I mean, it's not like you you don't have time. What else are you doing on the desert island? You would also need a hammer, True. or a rock. You can find a rock. Oh man, are we on? A, why are we really on a desert old, island? A really old crab. I See, don't know. You, you just change, to give you a scenario, Mike. To give you context, if you put me on a desert island, it's completely different okay. than if, like, I'm in Detroit. Okay, we're gonna make. <laughs> what is a really cool tool in your garage, Mike? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I will answer for Mike. Mike has a very cool compression tool for a flathead 
uh, V12 that he went scouring the earth for because no one had this tool for the valve. Oh, yeah. But you know what I found out after that? What's that? Uh, there's a there's a bar version of that tool that works way better. <laughs> and it's, it's legit just like a three foot long bar with like a crow's foot on the end. But think about all the time and effort you put into trying to find that cool of a tool. It's true. And it was purpose built for that. I did still use it, but the See? bar was more useful. See? That's a cool tool. Actually, I think I used them in, in conjunction with each other. One and the other. But yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah, okay, yeah. You, you, Mike's also been fantasizing about an English wheel for a long time. Actually, right now, I want to get a planishing hammer. <laughs> because there's this guy who the repot planishing hammers from like the 50s, like a 1950s Milwaukee planishing hammer. And uh, the patents ran out, I'm assuming. And so he looked up all the specs, right? And he, you know, designed a new one and got a casting supplier to make castings and molds and shit for him and whatnot. And uh, I really want one, but... Would you, would you like to care to... Ex- would you care to explain what a planishing hammer is? So, you know how the, the fenders on my truck are all dented up on the front? Yep. A planishing hammer is a tool that would allow me to remove those dents. Okay. Pretty Fairly simply. So, what is the difference between a planishing hammer and, like... A dead hammer or like a regular a, hammer? A dead blow hammer? Yeah. Yeah. So a planishing hammer is air actuated. Okay. And it's got this whole mechanism that lets it like, it's like an air hammer, kind of, but different. That was probably the worst explanation of what it's hammer is. <laughs> and it's, it's so, very difficult to explain to people. <laughs> To the uninitiated. If you, it's a sheet metal shaping tool, and if you don't know what it is, go look it up and right. watch a video. Right. To one people that day. would pick a screwdriver as their only tool on a yeah. desert island, <laughs> yeah. it'd be very hard to explain what a planning I mean, if I was on a desert island, I'd want a fucking knife. You could you could stab someone with a screwdriver. Yeah, but that's not the point. A knife, you could make a screwdriver out of like something else. It's not strong enough. You could use it as a and screwdriver. Then, and, then your knife, and then your knife would get blunt. You could use it and as then a what screwdriver. Do you do? Then you got a dull knife. No, then you rub it against the rock till it's sharp again. Like, what kind of desert island living are you? With that rock, you can you can chisel away at wood with screwdriver. Tom, what's your favorite tool? What tool What tool would you give me if uh, if you were giving me a tool for Christmas? So, probably the most useful, probably the thing that I personally use the most in my garage of things is either probably like my ratchet set or a hammer. A lot of good that ratchet set would do on a desert island. <laughs> We're not desert island unfiltered. It'd be, it'd be, it'd, it'd be entertaining just to hear the ratchet in. <laughs> what are you doing? No, nothing. Just ratcheting. I like this spin. But hey. Hammers are easy. You guys. But- yeah. You guys would be super, super happy if, you know, on the other side of that island, we found, like, Cuba. <laughs> then he'd be happy about my ratchet set. A ratchet Why? Cuba. It's metric. Cuba's not metric. No, it's not. What's metric? Cuba's whatever actually, fits. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> probably, actually, no, there's there's more metric in than uh, American in Cuba because it was only the, an American embargo, right? So they mm, were still, it, like, Russian cars were imported and European cars and things like that, right? It's so, so facto, metric is communist. Yep. Hmm. So I just like to say that my ratchet set has both. Oh, look at you! And not just in this fantasy thing, but in you real life. So a mechanic set. <laughs> yeah, aren't those good? I mean, I, Mike would probably be like, "Those are terrible." They're really not that good at tools. 
<laughs> like you need to buy each individual one by itself. No, I don't say that, but you just have to buy it from a decent brand like SK. SK, I like SK. They're a good brand. They're made in uh, LD, Illinois. I like, I like Blue Point. Blue Point solid. Blue. I mean, it's made by Snap On. Yep, the poor man's Snap On. Yep. That's my Mac tools are good. I like Mac tools. They're solid. Mac Co. Eh, sometimes. Um, but SK is probably my favorite. You can buy them through Granger. FYI. Yeah. Lifetime warranty, but good luck returning anything because you got to like send it to all them. And we all know that guys that work on shit never put their tools in a box to send someplace. <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I literally have a box of broken <laughs> tools to send back that I just need replaced. Wait, of SK tools? It, it's not like that. Like, it's beyond their rated capacity. The usage was incorrect for the tool kind of thing. You know what tool I've actually heard that's uh, very underrated is, uh, or, or, uh, like C clamps. Oh, I love C clamps. Your vice grips are massively useful. I was actually waiting on mm. saying pliers when you said that, like lineman's <laughs> pliers, because lineman's pliers have that cutting edge on them. And then they're like big and beefy. So you can do stuff with them. Like you can bend stuff. You can crimp wire. Cause they've but got yeah. a crimp around the back end. C clamps. I've, to many person they're like oh c-camps are the best thing and then i was going to go with a torch because i mean if you if you i, I thought about that. Like a torch you can make other shit with but then like if you're on a desert island you're going to run out of gas and air eventually <laughs> yeah, that's so, why like sales scenarios we're not on a desert island whoa, anymore whoa, whoa. i didn't say that that was oh, yeah. my scenario was if you had to give someone a gift for christmas what tool would you give them and then you were saying it's circumstantial depending on who the person but is. But it's so circumstantial. Yeah, let's assume that everyone has tools and screwdrivers. Uh, Ratchet said, not, not, let's not assume that because I didn't have a uh, quarter inch ratchet set. So we can't assume that one. I'd like to change my answer if we're going back to like normal society situations. Okay. Uh, I would get them a Ford service gift card. No, that'd be useless for me. I never take my car in for <laughs> I actually just took my truck in for uh, a lube down uh, down the street at City Lube. Did they ask you why? No, but it was like twenty nine dollars. It was pretty pretty good deal. Interesting. And what did you take the truck in for? To get it lubed. Oh. I, I needed I needed the oil changed, so I. Oh, that was that was yeah. for the truck. Oh, gotcha. Oh, my bad. I was confused. <laughs> Also, the 35 still has a miss, just in case anyone's wondering. Can you explain to uh, those of us that not, do you just mean like it's not uh, it's misfiring? Yeah. So, yeah, I, so I think that I think I've got some. Uh, I think my points are fouled, so I need to get in there and do that. And see if that's a problem. Um, but I have to remove the fan for that, and I'm back to all that bullshit that I was having trouble with in the first place. So. And would you happen to need a ratchet set? I will probably oh. not. I'll probably actually use regular wrenches because they're going to fit where I need them to fit. But I may use a ratchet in the event that it becomes apparent that one's useful. Oh, so there's always a possibility, Tom. You could use that screwdriver. Meanwhile, <laughs> as, as a party... As a parting <laughs> gift to our listeners, I want to explain what a tunnel ram is because Sal brought it up earlier. Yep. It sounds like you said something you might need to visit the lube shop no, for again. No, they won't have a tunnel ram. <laughs> okay. A tunnel ram is, is an intake manifold with very long intake runners that usually sit straight on top of 
the intake ports in the head or as close to vertical as you can get them to with the um, intent of increasing power. How that works is usually by increasing torque because the longer uh, the longer intake length, the, the longer intake runner length creates more torque because it increases the speed at which uh, I may be completely wrong on that, but regardless, I'm it, enjoying where it, this is. It, it's like, going. There's, there's something to do with the volumetric efficiency of an engine where a longer intake runner creates more torque on a given engine than a shorter intake runner, right? So a tunnel ram sits high above the engine and the theory is forces, which it doesn't really force anything air into the, the, uh, the cylinders, right? Um, when in actuality, what it's used for is to enhance torque slightly, usually at the expense of peak uh, RPM horsepower, because it is, isn't that isn't isn't that because it's drawing air further away from the engine, so it's drawing cooler air, and since cooler air is no, more dense, the temperature it. of the air. Right? There's been tests that have done to eliminate that as a factor, really. Um, it's just it strictly to do with the length of the individual intake ports uh, for a given cylinder. Then that's uh, Mike's edition of AutoZone Engineering. I mean, that's what a tunnel ram is. You, uh, I mean, I'll Google this because I what you're saying doesn't make sense in my head. All right, uh, you want to? I'm going to well, show we're, you. We're going to do this later. We're going to do this. <laughs> we're going to let everyone get back to their uh, Christmas dinners. Your of. <laughs> Any Latin descent because it's Christmas Eve. Um, and if you're not, uh, too bad, suckers. Enjoy your boring night and you'll have a good day tomorrow. <laughs> and have a happy yeah, Hanukkah. Exactly. And Hanukkah and, and anything else that you celebrate because cars are a uniting force no matter what religion you have. It's true because we all got to get somewhere. I'm, I'm actually thinking of starting a car centered centric religion. So stay mm-hmm. tuned for that if you all want to join. Interesting. Kool-Aid on Wednesdays? What's that? You're going to serve Kool-Aid on Wednesdays? No, we're going to solely subsist on coffee and motor oil. Fair enough. I wonder what car Jesus would have drove. Definitely (laughs) definitely a Firebird, for sure. (laughs) It would have been way better than the Pope Mobile. Yeah, definitely a Firebird. Well, now that we've... uh, (laughs) Condone ourselves and go to hell for that comment. Um, hopefully, you guys, in all seriousness, drive safe. If you have, uh, if you're traveling today or traveling later, um, have happy holidays with your family or whoever you're spending with, and uh, we'll catch you guys soon. <laughs>